Hi, I'm Shane Vatek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. Electric toothbrush DTC brand Quip wants to grow up. It's doing so by going beyond DTC. Like with many other DTC brands looking to scale, Quip's now participated in a pop-up, been in subways, and recently began selling its products in Target stores. And now, following the acquisition of a dental insurance brand, Quip is looking to expand its offering into services with Quip Care, rolling out this summer in New York, which will be a dental insurance that helps customers partake in a model. On this episode of Making Marketing, Quip VP of Growth Shane Pitson joins me to discuss why the brand is moving away from Facebook, its increased involvement in television and radio, and why in the world it's going into dental insurance. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Shane. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I'm especially excited to have you because I feel like Quip was the first direct-to-consumer brand to find me on Instagram because I swear I've been seeing your ads what seems like forever. Um, that's just probably great marketing, but also just uh, proof of how much you've grown since the early days. So I'd love to start actually from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about sort of origin story, founding, um, and then we'll go a little bit into the evolution of the brand. Yeah. Um, so we have been on Instagram for a long time. So long. <laughs> uh, so in the past four years, there's definitely been a lot of iterations of, of uh, Instagram ads, and it sounds like you've seen many of them. <laughs> um, but early on, uh, Instagram and Facebook were kind of a core part of our strategy because of the founding story. Mm-hmm. Um, so good segue. So both founders, Emin and Bill, are both industrial designers, product designers. And uh, Simon had been to a dental appointment and uh, he was brushing too hard. <laughs> and the dentist kind of went on a rant uh, about the industry um, and was like, listen, there's you, you should go buy an electric toothbrush. Um, but uh, ultimately... You need to brush softer. You need to brush for two minutes. You need to brush twice a day, and you need to actually like replace your brush or brush head on time. Um, and kind of looking at the the state of the industry, only about twenty twenty five percent of people use an electric toothbrush, mm-hmm. um, despite dentists um, giving that that similar <laughs> rant or message to to many people for the for the last fifteen twenty years. Uh, and if you look at the assortment or the array, there's a lot of complication. There's a lot of added features. There's a lot of added price that comes with added features. Uh, and ultimately, people just didn't really care that much, right? Like oral care wasn't top of mind in the same way that beauty or uh, other kind of like grooming um, pieces of, of everybody's routine were. Totally. Uh, and so that's kind of where Instagram and Facebook come in, um, in actually designing a product that's simple, uh, accessible, um, Quip starts at $25, um, and ultimately enjoyable, something that people want to have, uh, that's, that's desirable, that gets people interested, um, and excited about this kind of previously either mundane or very kind of expensive, like, oh, this will do everything for me, and then habits don't end up changing. Sure. So. When it when sort of Quip was founded, and maybe through year one or so, um, 
what was kind of the competitive landscape like? Because I, I remember, uh, and maybe this was a few years ago, I remember reading about sort of, it's sort of this luxury product, but in sort of a very affordable price compared with sort of some of the exorbitant things you were seeing with electric toothbrushes. But at the same time, it's nice to look at. It's kind of makes you feel like it's fun to brush your teeth. And I thought that was an interesting product positioning because your competitors weren't necessarily other just other toothbrush makers. There were also a bunch of other things that people could spend money on. What was it like kind of year one, year two um, of figuring out your place in the market, especially as all these other direct-to-consumer brands were also coming up at the same time? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, so myself personally, uh, prior to Quip, I was very intrigued by Harry's and Dollar Shave, right. um, who were new on the scene. And um, I think with Quip, it was really interesting in terms of that competitive, broader D2C kind of competitive set in that it was health-related. Um, so there was an actual like health benefit and reason to get recurring um, shipments or to like subscribe to something. Um, and so I think that was definitely something that like helped set us apart as it relates to like, should I spend, you know, $25 on X, Y, or Z product versus $25 on a toothbrush um, was kind of that health aspect or, or, or that sense of... I feel like it was wellness. Yes. And everybody loves wellness. Oh, Everyone's totally. like, you say wellness, you're like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> No, yeah, I think that was a, a big part of it. And like bringing, attaching oral care to the broader wellness trend was was definitely top of mind for us. Who, do, who did, did you take kind of cues from, because you just mentioned kind of Harry's and Dollar Shave Club. And again, you were, you were sort of, you weren't at the point, at least from what I can tell, of where a few years after you guys launched, there was, almost seemed like an explosion happened and there's almost too many new brands and you couldn't keep up like, oh, which one is Quip? You know, there wasn't any of that because I think you were still early on. Mm -hmm. But Dollar Shave Club was already out there. Harry's was already out there. Were there cues you took both from like a growth and marketing perspective, but also just from like who we are as a brand from some of those other uh, other brands out there? And can you go into some detail around them? Oh, Totally. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely cues, um, cues that we took. Uh, I had um, a lot of conversations early on with, um, uh, you know, team members at Harry's and at Warby Parker um, and at Casper. Uh, and so um, I, I think there's a lot of kind of collaboration and communication between uh, between those brands, a lot of, uh, you know, camaraderie. Um I think in terms of different cues or, or you know, strategies, um, I know one, one of the early things that we implemented uh, after a lot of discussion uh, with uh, a team member at a, another um, uh, digitally native brand was uh, our post-purchase survey. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, hey, we haven't done a billboard yet. You're doing billboards. Like, how are you measuring it? <laughs> um, you know, what's what's the effectiveness? And um, they were like, well, our post-purchase survey. And we're like, oh, shoot, we don't have one of those. <laughs> um, and so with kind of uh, we just asked them what they what they learned from that um, and dug into it, just mm -hmm. actually went through the checkout flow and um, saw how it was set up and used that to inform our own. Uh, and that's been a really key part of our attribution um, strategy 
um, mm. since uh, so over the last three years. So you're asking people where you heard about the brand, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's such a simple but <laughs> sort of interesting thing. But I'm curious on how that's changed now that you know you don't just sell the product yourselves. You're they're in Target, they're on Amazon, um, they're in a bunch of other places where you're not controlling that checkout flow. Let's talk a little bit about sort of your current market marketing mix and how, I mean, it feels like everything's gotten far more complicated. And I'm sure I'm sure it was simpler but smaller yeah. in the early days. But now you're doing better and you're growing and you're scaling, but that comes with its own problems. Yeah. Um, so our current marketing mix is definitely a lot more nuanced than, than our earlier marketing mix, which was a lot more uh, digitally focused. Um, at this point, we spend more on offline media than we do on on online or digital media, uh, and we have you know offline distribution through retail mm-hmm. partners um, uh, like Target, and so it does definitely add an element of um, lack of of clarity and attribution, which uh, I think is, is something that you know any marketer is is going to be um, you know looking to to get better resolution on what what we do. Um, now is just, you know, opening up more methods of, of measurement and, mm-hmm. you know, looking at our brand awareness and, you know, looking at uh, some of those higher funnel uh, funnel metrics um, as well, um, as well as kind of the traditional digital, like, um, last click attribution and post-purchase survey responses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, it is getting um, more broad and, and, yeah. and it becomes a more difficult problem. When you say offline, what, what, where is that? I know you're doing TV. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, podcasts. <laughs> it's a great medium. Uh, yep. Great medium. Uh, big fan of podcasts, um, radio, uh, TV, print. Mm. Um, Was that uh, a shift mail. kind of internally? I mean, I'm curious about, <laughs> about, you know, because again, you start, you start online, you're sort of this hip, young brand born online. You're used to online as a medium, I assume. And mm-hmm. along with, you know, the people who found the company, but also people who run the marketing division. Um, why, firstly, why make the shift and walk us through the internal discussion? Yeah. Um, so Cord Equip's mission is accessibility. Um, you know, the, the, the product is positioned to, you know, help improve behaviors, get people more interested and invested in their oral health. And, um, we want to make that as accessible um, as possible. And so, you know, for some people, um, they're already in Target, for example, um, and they're doing a certain amount of, like, product discovery there, um, already making purchases there, Mm. um, and giving the consumer that option, um, I think, is really beneficial. Um, if, If you're you know, core objective is to, to, to make something as accessible as possible. Was there sort of a worry about any sort of trade-off? Because there's a trade-off to that. Um, you know, I think we're really grateful for um, for Target as a partner and their interest in in our interests um, and, and vice versa, um, which was ultimately the, the best interest of, of the, the guest or, or the customer. Um, for us, um, you know, Quip is, is so much more than uh, a, a product, than, than just an electric toothbrush. It's, it's, it's a system, it's a companion um, that, 
you know, may start with the toothbrush, you know, that might be the thing that sparks the interest. Um, uh, but ultimately, um, once, you know, people sign up on Indu, like the Quip ecosystem, they're also getting content and advice um, and rewards and, you know, professional services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this this ecosystem that's built to encourage healthy habits and behaviors. And um, I think, you know, we've been lucky to find partners that are aligned in, in advancing those um, those goals. Is the mission. thought kind of that, you know, you have these partners target, um, for example, they're the they're that going to give you another entry or give people an entry point into that ecosystem. But once they're in, they're still Quip customers, and that's that's what matters. Yeah, I, I mean, they're. Um, I think the, where the aligned interests are is is that um, they are most likely healthier, right? Um, and so you know, they're they're going from on average changing. Uh, their brush or brush ed once every nine months to changing it every three months. Um, which is good for you. Which is good for you, <laughs> yes. Um, and good for Quip. <laughs> yeah. And they're, you know, going from brushing, you know, for 60 seconds to two minutes. Um, they're brushing more often. It's it's visible. It's like on, on your mirror. It's mm-hmm. reminding you, um, maybe guilt tripping you, <laughs> that you should be brushing. It's like right there at eye level. And and it's nice. Like it's a, it's a design that people want to pick up and use. Um, it's very portable, mm-hmm. um, and that's where kind of like print uh, media had come in, like you know, looking at like traveler audiences, and um, uh, you know, it's easy to take with you, um, and so kind of solving that um, uh, one reason why pe- somebody might not brush, right. and so it's this this whole system of like just encouraging people to. Um, to care more about their oral health and understand the impacts of oral health as it relates to their overall health or like that general wellness view. We'll be back after this quick break. With the mission of making the web a first-class platform that delivers results, Pantheon is building the world's best web ops platform, one that gives superpowers to web teams, allowing them to take control of their websites and work in an agile fashion to win in the dynamic digital world. With Pantheon, marketers and developers deliver results by iterating quickly, learning and experimenting with their websites in the same way that they do with virtually every other tool in their MarTech and development stacks. Pantheon powers over 285,000 sites, and is trusted by thousands of marketing and development teams around the world. Learn why at pantheon.io slash making marketing. Now back to the episode. Um, Was there ever a sense of, because, you know, a lot of brands that we've had on the show, um, digitally native brands, kind of talk about a sense of kind of feeling protective about the brand. And for some of them, that's led to very conscious decisions to, even though they know that there are benefits to it, not wanting to sell through different partners or not wanting to sell anywhere but their.coms. Was that was that something that was even sort of discussed or was it sort of from day one, uh, you know, in this in the plan? Like, yes, if we find the right partner, we're open to it. That was definitely discussed. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we care deeply about the entire experience. So from, you know, ad exposure, you know, all the way through to, you know, brand loyalty and, mm-hmm. and um, that kind of continued education element. Um, and retail represents just a very different, you know, customer journey. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about, 
you know, how does the brand come to life in retail? What does the packaging look like? What is the, what is the explanation on the packaging? What, what do the kind of in-store merchandising options look like? Um, you know, how do we kind of, how do we bring a lot of the education that we were used to bringing in, like at the advertising level or at the kind of website level into like a physical experience? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something where, continually working on yeah um, was there anything specific you've done that you just think is cool or differentiated yeah i mean our packaging is awesome um uh we have this really cool like um uh recyclable like paper material with like rounded edges mm-hmm. um and it just None totally... of that clamshell stuff that <laughs> requires like a hammer to get out of <laughs> yeah no like no blister packs no um you know nothing too intense um uh, it's just this thing that looks like elevated and, you know, it's uh, it's gone from, you know, what kind of what you see elsewhere is, is you know, a lot of, you know, product messaging and like, you know, intense images. And and then you have Quip, which is like this nice, like floaty, <laughs> like render. Yeah. Um, uh, but on the back of the packaging and like on our outrigger on like our in-store merchandising we have information about brush heads and like the importance of of um changing our brush head every three months and um you know directing people towards that refill experience so as they're discovering the brand they're not just discovering like oh that's a toothbrush that looks really cool that i want they're discovering like oh and they and they make like the ongoing maintenance like Mm -hmm. easier and more convenient um and, and so, being in store next to your competitors can, or just other brush companies, essentially, could be a good thing because you get to sort of see it in real life in a way, that difference. Totally. Yeah, Similar Web just published a really interesting um, kind of deep dive on the uh, electric toothbrush market. Um, and uh, one of the things that they highlighted was that kind of digital comparative shopping. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think that can be really beneficial for a yeah. brand. And even on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about was, you know, because you're doing TV and sort of more, let's call them traditional ad, ad methods, how much mm-hmm. of how much of sort of spending the money on those channels um, was, was due to kind of feeling like you'd grown out a little bit of kind of just Facebook and Instagram? Because those, are those channels still effective for you? And why was, why was the money moved or why did you decide to spend in the other places too? Other than obviously reaching a, wider audience that might you know a lot of people think when they see something on tv it feels more real and more legitimate um and you want that but was there any sense of kind of okay this we have to have a diversified mix if we want to grow yeah and i think um i think that was definitely a part of it um ultimately like we uh you know are back to that kind of mission of accessibility like you know, everyone kind of consumes media in a, in a different way. Um, and it felt, you know, disingenuous to our mission to kind of only tell this story via certain mediums. Mm. Um, and so being able to, you know, reach more people um, and tell that story was really important to us. Uh, one thing that was probably kind of different about our TV strategy um, is that um, we do a lot of like 60 second ads um, and uh, had, had, had done a lot of 60 second ads like elsewhere um, because it, we, we like to tell that whole story um, and really get across like those stats and figures and, and really present the why um, 
Quip was designed the way that it is and, you know, why the um, why getting your brush out every three months is important um, and kind of getting getting in front of each of those those value props. Um, uh, telling that story has been been really effective and, and people um, respond well to that. Oh, one, one thing, though, and sort of maybe take off your Quip hat and just put on your growth marketing hat mm -hmm. a little bit, but is that, you know, we're hearing sort of a little bit of, okay, disenchantment, call it, with kind of the, the social channels. For some, they've gotten too expensive. Customer acquisition is getting really expensive. And it almost feels like a resurgence of TV in a way. Um, is that something that you're seeing or noticing? And where do you think that's going to go from here? Yeah. Um, I am definitely seeing that, um, especially just within our peer set as well. Um, you know, that being said, um, it's it's still a, a more nuanced like medium um, in terms of how the media is actually purchased and um, kind of what the costs of learning are. Um, and so even though, um, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram, the, the, the overall costs are rising, mm -hmm. um, it's still an incredibly, you know, um, kind of frictionless place for an advertiser to, to start um, and, and to learn. They do um, make it really easy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, whereas more traditional mediums, like, um, you're dealing with larger audiences and um, there's not as much room for error um, in terms of um, the actual, like, media buying um, aspect of it. Are there other new digital platforms you're experimenting with, sort of beyond the obvious big ones um, that you're just excited about or trying things on? Um, yeah. Um, we've been running... Um, uh, and, and this is like one thing, like thinking back kind of in our broader marketing strategy that um, is good advice. But uh, I feel like platforms on the digital side like will will help you out as much as you ask them to help you out. Um, you know, the, the squeaky wheel definitely gets the grease. Um, and, um, you know, we've been grateful to have really great uh, partners um, on the kind of platform side. More recently, we've run some some interesting um, incrementality testing with Facebook, with Instagram, with uh, Snapchat, um, and, um, uh, you know, being able to work, you know, directly kind of with them to, to better understand, you know, their audience and, and kind of like where ads are resonating most um, has definitely been helpful. Um, so Snapchat is definitely one that I think of um, um, in the kind of more recent um uh, six months or so. How's that been going? Tell us a little bit about it. Sort of, is that in your experimental bucket, or is that kind of yes, we we're all in on Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still you know experimental. Um, they've been you know helpful um, and 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 good partners to test with, um, uh, but still in 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 our in our testing bucket. Yeah, um, I did want to spend some time talking about the services part because I think you know. The, the the sort of trope of the digitally native brand is that hero product, the one that brings people in. But then to your point, you're seeing not just with Quip, but also with your peer set, you know, the, the expansion, the expansion into adjacent products, some of them more obvious than others. Um, pillows, if mm -hmm. you're a mattress brand, nightlights, if you're uh, a sleep brand. Um, but for you, I found it really interesting that sort of you've gone into what I think is a fascinating place to explore services through insurance and offering dental insurance. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? How did that sort of decision and, and then 
rollout happen? Yeah, um, through a lot of thought. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the the desire and the planning, you know, to um, you know launch something like QuipCare um, has been you know in progress for the last four or five years. Um, it's something that we always knew was a critical part of the overall like oral health journey. Um, but that, you know, products and advice were kind of a great way to, um, to prepare for that. And really what, what kind of going back to, to the founding and the electric toothbrush and, and what that serves, it really serves like that change in behavior. Um, and so brushing twice, you know, people are on Quip now and they're brushing twice a day, they're brushing for two minutes, they're replacing their brush on, on time, like what next? And what's next is most people don't go to the dentist as often as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, even those with dental insurance, um, uh, you know, as many as 30, 40 percent of them, you know, aren't going to the dentist every mm-hmm. year. Um, and, you know, there's around 30 uh, percent of people that have no dental coverage. Um, uh, so um, QuipCare really represented a way for us to partner with our members um, and and open up, you know, the world of, of Quip um, to a broader audience and, and make dental care or, like, professional services more accessible as well. Did you do, um, I'm sure you did, sort of the testing with your current membership I mean, is the hope that, you know, members that are already Quip users and in the ecosystem will switch to QuipCare? Or was it that they don't have dental insurance because many people don't and will be the ones to offer it? Um, And how much of those two priorities then align with maybe there'll be just people who come to you for insurance and not not the other stuff? Um, I mean, what's the goal? Are Are you going to become a sort of a dental insurance company potentially or or is it more about this is an add-on where does it fit into sort of where equip goes from here yeah that's an interesting question um i mean i think for us it's 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 hard almost to like make that differentiation just because we see we see everything as part of like just the oral health routine Mm. um and so um they're kind of equal in that sense. Um, we, um, within Quip Care um, and who it serves, um, we have two offerings within Quip Care. So uh, the, you know, initial offering um, is a free service. Uh, so um, you can sign up and you get access to pre-negotiated rates, um, which are, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40% off of um, what would be average for, for, for market. Um, and you pay as you go. So you need, you need a treatment, um, you need preventive care, uh, you book, you find your dentist, you know, through Quip Care, um, and, uh, you, you pay for the service, you know, your records, uh, of all of that are all, mm-hmm. all there for you in, in one place. Um, and I think that can be, that can be for many people, right? Um, you know, that can be for somebody um, that doesn't have any coverage um, and is, you know, looking for a specific treatment. Um, I think it's more likely to happen for 
those that may already have coverage but are looking for um, you know an additional um, uh, kind of tool or, or benefit um, um, or way of finding um, you know a, a dentist sure. you know, people are moving more often um, yeah. and so that's a, m- a more common thing that people have to do um, for Quipcare plus um, it's a $25 a month fee um, but all of your preventative care is covered uh, so that's really ideal or what we would recommend for people that don't have any mm-hmm. coverage or insurance. Um, so that's, that's a, a more traditional um, dental discount plan uh, uh, type of offering um, where you're still getting access to those negotiated rates, 30 to 40 percent off market. Um, and then you're saving um, on that preventative care. So sure. you're essentially getting your, your second uh-huh. annual visit um, for free. From a growth perspective, though, like where do you see? Because those are two different businesses, arguably. I know you're you're saying it's one business for you, and that's I think that's really interesting in terms of like let's redefine what oral care means. Um, but you have to run a company, and you have to run a company that's making a bunch of really cool products, and now you're also running help, helping run a company that has to start getting to the messy, messy world of um, of healthcare. Kind of is that. Is that difficult to reconcile and, you know, where do you think that that will go from here? Yeah, I think it is difficult. Um, but I think, you know, focusing on the mission um, will, you know, help us get there. And and I think generally speaking, right, like people are, uh, you know, many people are looking for, you know, the best solution to um, to their problem, right? Like, um, whether that's in, in phones, you know, I, I think there's a certain, certain amount of people that are like, oh, like, you know, I'm all in Apple and like I'm full Apple ecosystem or, yeah. you know, um, uh, and I think it's becoming easier and easier for people to, you know, have a, an iPhone and a PC or like kind of the interoperability mm-hmm. of systems is, is becoming easier. Um, people are able to kind of move between um, those ecosystems um, we're definitely building what we think is the you know, the best environment from you know your daily um, oral care products through to um, you know booking and paying for you know quality uh, professional services um, and all of the advice and mm-hmm. you know uh, support along the way. Um, but we we definitely understand that you know it it, it may be common for you know, some people to, you know, only sure. interact with Frip on the services okay. yeah. or only on the products. Yeah. Amazing. Great. I think you're building the healthcare system of the future. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being on Making Marketing. Yes. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And that's all for today's episode of Making Marketing, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is, of course, Gianna Cappadona. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Head to your iTunes store, search for a show, Making Marketing, leave us a review, hopefully five stars and a rating. I'll also read my favorite reviews here at the end of the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>